Welcome to Equal Parts, a series of true love stories told by the couples themselves. Today's episode takes us back to the early days of apps, before we had swipe fatigue or five different profiles on five different platforms to keep track of. There's something very sweet and fresh-faced about this couple's first date. Luke bubbling over with nerves, Louise staring at the pavement, and an absolute blindness from both concerning an appropriate meetup spot. Now, instead of jitters, they're brimming with pride for each other and how far they've grown. To tell the story in full, here's Louise and Luke. So I'm Luke, I'm 35 years old and I'm from Derby. I'm Louise, I live in Derby. I used to be an English teacher and now I am a wedding celebrant. My partner is uh, Louise and we've been together for nine years and we've been married for three. I was very different in 2013 to what I am now. I think I was a lot different, to be honest. Being sort of mid-twenties, I, I think I was, I was quite immature, really. Um, I'd, had a, I'd had a job since I was 16, uh, and I'm still in that. I still work for the same company that I did when I was an apprentice. But, um, yeah, I think I was a bit lost, really. I've definitely got a lot more confident, I think. I've always been a, a little bit outgoing. But I think I'm a much more confident person now. And I was in a kind of weird part of my life in 2013. Um, I was living with my ex-boyfriend still, which is a bit weird. And I just completed my NQT year. So my first like training year of being a teacher. And when I first met up with Luke, I'd just done the inset day of my teacher training for my new job, at a new school of my first year of being an actual fully qualified English teacher. Yeah, I think uh, she's she's taught me a lot since since we met. Um I feel like I'm a lot more a tolerant person and I've you know I'm prepared I'm more confident and you know prepared to sort of voice my opinions rather than just shine away and uh, and just believe in what people tell me. I was I was on a night shift at work and I was I was reading the Guardian article. And it, and it basically said that there's going to be a new app that you can download on your phone and it's going to revolutionise dating and the way that we think about it. I was sceptical, but I thought, well, what have I got to lose? So so I downloaded it. So we met on Tinder and it was back in the days when Tinder was very new. It didn't have the really trashy reputation that it since got. It was kind of the hot new app. There was literally probably about 10 people within... 100 mile radius on there so it's uh i mean we we joke about it we call it the online catalog now and uh, so i was swiping through and i saw louise and i thought to myself she is the kind of girl that i'd see if i was out at a concert but i would never stand a chance with i was like i'm too shy i just haven't got enough chat and i would not be able to go and approach her but i thought well i'm online so i'm typing it's not as scary so I just thought I'll I'll swipe and see what happens from there. I've always liked men with dark hair, look look a bit bit rugged. So his his photo stood out for that reason. And I remember the first message that he sent me on Tinder said something like, um, "Oh hi, how are you doing? I love your hair." And I had like red, really big, volumized hair in my profile picture. So he commented on that. So I knew that it wasn't just a a generic message that he was sending to lots of people. I still think I did a really clumsy job of uh, 
of trying to chat Louise up. Then he said something about, I've just come out of a job interview. I'd, I'd played tennis and that was really not going to impress Louise in the slightest. And then been and played tennis and now I'm eating a banana. <laughs> you know, I, I managed to, uh, to bumble my way through the conversation and... Uh... You know, I think she uh, eventually saw my uh, my weird and quirky charms. And half of me kind of thought, like, is this some kind of segue into a dick pic? Is he talking about a banana because this is like, do you want to see? Uh, yeah. But no, like, he, he genuinely just thought that I'd like to know that he was eating a banana after after his job interview and after playing tennis. To be fair, the tennis thing almost put me off because I'm not a very tennisy person kind of have this association of tennis being for poshos and I'm definitely not a posho so I kind of just swept over that. I remember that you could put on Tinder artists that you liked and bands that you liked and there were a couple of kind of quite niche bands maybe that a lot of other people might not have oh this sounds make me sound like really wanky like oh you wouldn't have heard of them but like a couple of bands that aren't mega popular that we'd both liked and listened to. And we both really love music, so that was quite important. That I think that was something that we started chatting about first, really, and comparing bands and people that we'd been to see. We realised about four years in to our relationship that we'd both been at the same gig together, like five years before we met. It was like during the peak, early 2000 indie scene. Um, so we were both at Nottingham Rock City to, uh, to see the Pigeon Detectives. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's like it, it, it's so weird to think though. I could have I, like I, I literally been stood at the bar next to Louise, and I would not have even known. It's not a massive venue, so chances are we might have walked past each other or seen each other or something. So that's a bit scary, but yeah, we're, um, we always we share um, a love of rock music. Uh, we love listening to playlists in the house. We go to a lot of gigs as well together. That's uh, one of our biggest passions, really. About two weeks after we'd been chatting, I went I went on holiday to America. <laughs> so I was going around all the theme parks with my mum and dad. And, <laughs> and they were laughing because I, every single time I could find a Wi-Fi hotspot, I was, I was like hunting them out. So I was like just randomly going in a shop and buying something that I didn't even want to buy just so I could log on to the Wi-Fi. But yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't until I got back from America that we went, went on out on the first date. I can't remember who first suggested that we meet up for a date, but either way, it was suggested for a Saturday lunchtime after Luke had got up from a night shift, which in hindsight just wasn't really, wasn't really a very good idea. Um, so we would have worked like a 12-hour Friday night shift, I think, and we'd arranged to meet um, at a restaurant in Derby. I think we both thought that the other person lived absolutely miles away, even though we're in the same county. I realised when I was kind of halfway driving there, like I'd not actually spoke to him that day and we'd been messaging back and forth a lot, obviously, in the lead up. But that morning he was in bed because he'd, he'd been on nights. And I remember driving and thinking like, what, what, if, what if his alarm doesn't go off or what if he's still in bed and I'm just going to arrive and look like an idiot? And I'd asked where was the best place to park as well. For some reason, I suggested that we meet in a multi-storey car park, which... Um... Thinking about it, I mean, it was a, it was a different time. I think it probably wasn't as scary back then, but um, yeah, I think it, it looked a bit dodgy. It looked a bit suspect. I was a bit like, 
meeting this strange man from the internet in a car park it doesn't seem doesn't seem right so he told me to park in the car park and he'd meet me outside a pub across the road instead so that it was a little bit less dodgy I just assumed that Louise was going to be the, the most confident person that I've ever met. I mean, look at her bright orange hair now. It's like she's not shrinking violet. But um, when we when we first met, Louise was really shy. I mean, it, I think probably about, it was a good hour into the date before I saw anything other than the top of her head. <laughs> you know when you walk in with somebody and they know where they're going and you don't, so you're kind of having to like keep them in your peripheral vision so you can work out which direction they're going to to go and walk in but I was I just went really really shy and I, I was kind of looking at the floor but trying to keep him so I could see which direction we were supposed to be going and I remember we had these kind of caramelly coloured like chino trousers on and these orangey big clumpy boots and I remember not really liking his boots very much but that was all I could really see because I was just looking at the floor but he's very good at small talk so he was he was kind of chatting away and allowing me to just be shy and awkward. I I started to get nervous because the first time I saw Louise I thought like I am I am seriously punching right now. Once we got to the restaurant it we'd already chatted quite a bit on tinder so we we kind of knew the basics about each other but I do remember us chatting quite well. I don't remember it being like really awkward or like loads of awkward silences. I just remember, I don't think I really gave him much eye contact. I even, during, during that day, I, uh, when I went to the toilet, I gave myself a little pep talk. I was, I was telling myself not to screw this up. Don't, come on, don't mess this up now. This is, this is your chance. Like, I really, really fancy her and I think she's like a wonderful person. So like, just play it cool just play it cool but what i didn't realize was when i was giving my pet talk the mirror that was in front of me i didn't realize it was like a two-way mirror so there was a chef making pizza the other side and he was just looking at me (laughs) i think he probably heard every word and thought i was going insane so uh yeah that's my uh, that's my embarrassing story from my first date it was weird it was like it was like a mirror but then it had a like a, a stripe through it that was like, was just glass. But yeah, there's got to be some sort of privacy law there, but. <laughs> we went to another pub afterwards, the one that we'd met outside across the road from the car park. I think we, we went to a pub that I probably always used to frequent when I was younger. I think it was, uh, it's a bit of a dive pub really, to be fair. I remember that we picked, we chose to sit on a big leather settee, you know, where it looks really comfy and then you sit down in it and it almost swallows you. And then it just got really awkward because you can't reach your drink because you've got to like almost stand fully up to get to the table. And because it was so saggy, we were, it was like it was pulling us into the middle of the settee together. And when you're on your first date and everything's a bit like, oh my God, we just touched hands. Louise obviously got a lot less nervous as the date went on. So the conversation started to flow a bit more about our hobbies, a bit more about our interests. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it, it took a while. I was, I was surprised, actually. I was really surprised at how, how shy Louise was. I, I thought, I, you know, I always got the impression that she was going to be, be a really confident person. But I think when I get nervous, though, I just, I just talk. I just ramble on. Um, 
Louise always jokes that like I'm a I'm a man of uh, of too many words. I did notice though on on the first date she did tease me because everything I ordered off the menu, if I if, if I see something on the menu, I'll have the uh, the thrice cooked, hand reared, and I'll read the whole thing out. And Louise's like, just just say that you just want the chicken. It, it definitely eases the tension. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, now she doesn't stop taking the mick out of me, but. <laughs> He walked me back to my car in the car park. And by this point, I was kind of knew that he was a safe person and that being in a car park with him was okay. Um, And again, I was just really, really awkward. And I I mean, I hate saying goodbye to anybody on any day because I'm not really a hugger. Um, It's just not my natural kind of go to thing to do. But because he'd walked me to my car, it kind of needed a needed something to happen and I think he went in for a little kiss that's when we shared our first kiss as well um when I said bye to her I stood outside the multi-story car park again just a polite little peck if I remember rightly and then yeah I remember driving home and thinking that I was going to text some people when I got back and tell them actually I've just been on a date with this guy and he's quite nice so after our date I went back um, and I spoke to my housemates, and I and I said, I think I've met the ward. I think I think this I think this is it. And my housemate said, Oh, this, that's it. That, you're going to break the band up. That's it. You, you you've gone now. <laughs> but to be fair, they were right. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, I, I definitely thought that that Louise was the one as soon as soon as I'd, I'd, I'd been on that first date, and as soon as we'd met in person. I don't think I, I was necessarily fully, fully sold. It wasn't like, oh my God, love at first sight, we're, we're going to get married um, at that point because I didn't know if he was a little bit too straight-laced, a little bit too nice. And I know that's the worst and most horrible thing to say and that men always complain that like, oh, women don't like the nice guys. And actually he is the nicest man in the world. But at the time, I did think like, is he so nice that he might be a bit boring? But then when we continued chatting and I saw more of him, I realised that that wasn't the case. The, the early days of our, our relationship, we, um, we, we sort of settled, in, settled into a routine really quickly. Um, it was a bit awkward at the time because Louise was still livid with her, with her ex-partner. If we, we did dates at home, it had to be at his home and it was so cold that like, the insides of the windows were frosted up. And it was so drafty and horrible. We were staying in this, um, well, it was like a converted barn, but it was the coldest place you've ever, like, it was like, electric heaters on all the time and you couldn't dry clothes anywhere in the house. So I was going around there quite a lot, most weekends to see him. Um, and actually it was me who first said I love you to him on a Sunday afternoon before I had to drive back home. And I think that was only about six or seven weeks in. It wasn't very long at all. Um, I think I kind of I kind of thought that he, well, I had a good idea that he was on the same page. I didn't think he would say it. I think he needed the reassurance from me. Because as soon as I said it, he said it back. It was all good. After three months of us being together, we, uh, we ended up moving in literally about four days before Christmas. Um, so I, I invited my mum and dad around for Christmas Day 
and uh, I'd not even got a table. I was there with the toolkit putting a table up before they came round. I was really trying to show off my cooking skills. And oh, the kitchen was absolutely tiny, really, really small. And I'd made some little starters and appetizers and we'd, we'd bought a turkey and it, I, I was like every single surface in the kitchen was rammed. And I put the oven on to preheat so that I could cook the turkey and then I could smell something cooking. And Luke had decided to make more space on the kitchen sides by putting random stuff that I'd prepared into the oven just to tidy things up a bit and save some space. So like half of the things I'd prepared were sort of half partly cooked and I had to take them out of the oven and put the turkey back in and then basically carry on cooking them later on. So some some stuff was fine, some stuff was not quite so fine. Yeah, he likes he likes to tidy around me, bless him. I think the biggest change really is that we're both now a lot more embracing of our interests and passions and not afraid to be a bit weird because we are both a bit weird. I'm obsessed with mushrooms and I crochet and I, I just love making weird random things. And I'm now not afraid of kind of showing that. Luke's recently got into bats. So he goes out to bat club and goes to meetings about bats. I volunteer for a local bat conservation group. I've always been interested in, in nature and I used to I used to go bird watching as a as a child, but I was I was really embarrassed by it. And I I got bullied quite badly at school as well. And uh, a lot of people used to sort of take the mick out before it. So I just I just abandoned it. But it's um it's it's living with Louise really. She's she's given me the, the, the freedom to just go and just enjoy myself and uh, and to devote time and energy to my passions and, and you know, not feel guilty about it. I mean it's Louise really she's really into mushrooms, taking photos of mushrooms, collecting mushrooms. So we um and I'm I'm going out bird watching or, or with bats, um, so we always joke that we walk into uh, to low hanging branches because there's one of us looking up, one of us looking down, and no one's looking straight ahead. But we just always kind of spur each other on, push each other to do what we enjoy, whether it's something together or something separate. I mean, when we when we were wedding planning, um, we we bought a house and then got a puppy, and I, I was I was really struggling with my mental health during that as well. But um, Louise encouraged me to to go and and. and speak to someone and, and get some counselling for that. So it's, um, I think she's just such a supportive person. Um, so she brings me out of my shell. She stops me getting too serious. And it, it's just great someone that, that, you know, that we can share passions and adventures with, really. I remember actually after we'd matched and after we'd started going on some dates, I started having these like mini existential crises of what if I'd accidentally swiped the wrong way? Because then they're gone forever. I was like what if your picture had just come up and I'd not swiped right, I'd just accidentally or not even looked properly and swiped left and then we'd like, we never would have met. And it used to actually kind of keep me awake at night a little bit. Honestly, I had sleepless nights. Maybe almost a year into our relationship, I kind of looked back at the fact that we'd met on Tinder and brought it up to Luke because he hates having his photo taken and doesn't really use social media very much and doesn't really like to put himself out there 
And so he's the least likely person to ever be using a dating app. And he said that he'd read about it in The Guardian. And I realised that that was why I had also downloaded Tinder, because I'd gone to give blood and I was in the blood donation hall reading The Guardian online, where they'd done an article about this big new um, dating app that was taking the world by storm. And uh, that's what made me download it as well. So if we, I mean, such like left-wing knobheads, aren't we? But if we'd both not read The Guardian, that exact article, then either one of us or neither of us wouldn't have ever downloaded it. It ended up being the best thing that ever happened, reading that article and downloading that app. Equal Parts is produced by me, Maria Passingham. Thank you, Audio Network, for the music, and thanks also to Louise and Luke for your time. Please take care with those branches. Each episode of Equal Parts is accompanied by a piece of original artwork, inspired by the audio only. Rebecca Houghton made a charming piece to go with Louise and Luke's story. Thank you, Rebecca. You can find all of the artwork for this season as it unravels on the website, equalpartspodcast.co.uk. And of course, the episodes and art for seasons one and two are there as well. Don't forget, there are transcripts for each episode of Equal Parts for those who are deaf or prefer to read. These are also at equalpartspodcast.co.uk and there's a link in the show notes. Next week, finding love at 30,000 feet. She was doing one of those, I'm going to try to get my headphones in before I sit down so nobody talks to me. But she has this beautiful smile and she had this smile but was trying to get the headphone in and you know, as a guy, like, hey, this beautiful girl is smiling at you. She must want to talk to me, right? And so immediately he's like, oh, weren't you sitting next to me out in the terminal? So, like, before I can even get my butt in the seat, we're already chatting. He's already, like, started the conversation. <laughs>